In Camden Town, I'll meet you at the underground In Camden Town, we'll walk there as the sun goes down In Camden Town Welcome to Camdeners, the official podcast for the Camden Clean Air Initiative with me, Jeffrey Young. In this podcast, we get to know and discover the lives of Camdeners, those special individuals shaping the unique and vibrant culture of the borough of Camden. Today in the studio, we speak with Alex Green and Ben Walters from the Black Cap Community Benefit Society. Tell us a little bit about, about you and uh, how you've come to, to, to be part of this, this initiative. Sure. Um, so I guess I came to it sort of through... I guess kind of through being a journalist and being a punter. So for a few years, I was a cabaret critic. I ran the cabaret section for Time Out London when it had such a thing. So I got to be out and about all the time, enjoying all the amazing performance and entertainment and um, all the rest of it going on after hours in London. Uh, And then long story short, uh, when Time Out wound up that section around 2013-14. And that was about the same time that a lot of the venues that I'd been spending lots of my time in were also faced with with closing down. So you had places like Madame Jojo's in Soho got closed down. The Vauxhall Tavern um, was under threat of closure. And indeed, in 2015, the Black Cat got closed down. And so my involvement um, was knowing how amazing and powerful and irreplaceable these places are, especially somewhere like the Black Cap, which I'm sure most of your listeners will know, but if they don't, um, you know, the Black Cap's been what we now call an LGBTQ space since, you know, before the partial decriminalization of homosexuality in 1967. It's, you know, it goes back decades and there's not many places in town um, that you can say that of. And so sticking up for them when they come under threat is really important. So that's kind of how I got involved. Right. Well, what a great initiative within our borough of Camden. Alex, do you want to tell us about your world? Um, I'm Alex Green. I'm a, a, a performer, singer, songwriter, cabaret producer. I suppose I could call myself Loud and Queerly is the company. And um, how I got involved with the cap is when I was about 18, I, I uh, moved to London from Yorkshire. I'd signed a record deal. I'm the most failed pop star in the last five decades. <laughs> and um, and the first proper gay place I ever really went to was the Black Cap. So I was in a squat with the band I'd, uh, I'd come down with. And um, we lived in Georgiana Street, just right on the corner. And uh, yeah, I'd been to a co- I'd been to heaven a couple of times, but I'd never been to a gay pub. You know, it was the 80s. Everywhere was gay. Um, so, yeah, but I loved, I walked into the cap. So, you know, I won't tell you how old I am now, but it was a long time ago. Um, but, yeah, I walked into the cap and it was just this, immediately it felt like at home. It felt to me, like I, when I was growing up, we used to go to the Labour Club as a family. It was our, you know, anything that used to like, a, you know, working men's club. So very quickly that became, you know, the the that to me, you know, all of us, um, 
And so I found my sort of queer family there. So, and it was a wonderful place because you walk in and it was when the bar was still there. There was a smaller bar at the front off the street. And you walked in and there was just sort of, you know, your classic 80s leather queen um, stood next to what we'd call a trans person now. And then a drag queen getting ready for thing. Plus, you know, young people in sort of 80s. And it was just this wonderful mishmash of people that I'd never really seen. So it was, looked like London, uh, but the gay London of the time. And um, yeah, and then going into the back room and seeing the, the cabaret stage and it just evoked all of those Sunday afternoons after our Sunday lunch going to the, the Pudsey Band Club and uh, seeing, you know, comics from all over the country, whatever. Um, so yeah, over the years it became that. And I, I lived in Camden for about 10, 15 years and then moved off to Highbury and then I moved off to Greenwich. But even when I wasn't here coming in every night, because when I lived here, I practically did. It was always a place we'd go before we'd go to heaven or anywhere else. Um uh, I, I always came back. It was, you know, we, this is where we'd come for our family dues, if you like. So, you know, weddings, thankfully, or partnerships earlier on. Um, sadly, funerals, many of which during the AIDS crisis, of course, we had there. But New Year's Eve, you know, so I used to promote clubs in heaven. So I would, before that, I would come here. You know, I would come to the Black Cap and then we'd all meet and then go off and do that. So when it, I mean, I, I wasn't a kind of week-on-week week regular when it closed in 2015. But again, it was still that place we'd go. We'd all go there for birthdays. We'd all there go for, for New Year's or whatever. And and the last year and a half of the place, it had got really sort of messy, the place, because the new the owner who eventually closed it had let it go to rack and ruin. I think we've said this before. I mean, Ben, you know, the last couple of weeks in there, you had water coming through the ceiling in the main bar. So, you know, from the lose, not nice, but, you know, we still went. Uh, but, you know, it was that the whole place had really come alive again because you had the family first and, um, um, what was her name? Meth, meth, meth. And it's a whole group of new performers had sort of shot some life back into it and it, and it had really kind of come to life again. Um, so that's why it was, it, well, it was sad that it was going to close anyway because of the history of the place. As Ben was saying, you know, that for me, one of the most important things as a performer, but also as a punter, as a, a gay man, being able to walk into a pub that holds our history, because there are so few places left that do that. But also that it, it's, um, you know, I sing in lots of pubs as a performer as well, not just gay pubs, but the idea that you were closing a pub that was clearly successful, you know, may not have been where it was at its zenith in the, in the early 90s, where it was purported to be the most the biggest turnover pub in the country um, but it certainly was a busy place with lots going on and and um, so for it to close for that for no reason that would usually make sense because someone had lost planning battles and things just really stuck so I was there you know I was there for many reasons I was there because it was my you know <laughs> family pub do place but also just because I, I really believe in that it's important that that history is protected for us because there's so few of those touch points for us. You know, we're hidden in history quite often. You know, the only history you see of, of gay people generally is of people who died, you know, in prison or whatever, you know. So to be able to have something that celebrated us and protected us. Um, and there are a few places like that, Royal Vauxhall Tavern being one of the others. So that's one of the reasons I'm out there and, and trying to protect it and reopen it and save it for, for forever for our community. Okay, well, that's quite amazing and great opportunity for Camden to bring this great institution back. Now, yes, the the owners wanted to develop it and you guys were instrumental in stopping this becoming completely lost. Tell us about your Community Benefit Society. 
Well, yeah, I mean, this is such an important aspect of it. And this was something, as I said, that we were seeing so much of, especially around that time, around 2014, 2015, of lots of these completely irreplaceable venues and spaces in London, totally within the context of the sort of LGBTQ community, but also for all kinds of of grassroots music and arts venues, community venues, so many spaces that were suddenly really being squeezed and really being closed down. And sometimes you'd hear a sort of rhetoric around this as if these spaces were no longer needed or were unviable and couldn't sort of wash their faces, financially speaking. And there's so much academic research as well as lived experience that shows that that just wasn't the case. So especially in in the kind of LGBT context, um, you had, I mean, research by University College London has shown that um, about half the venues in London were lost between sort of 2006 and 2016. And overwhelmingly, the reason for that is not because queer people no longer face any challenges in society. It was not because everyone now uses apps and no one is interested in mixing in person. It's because the square footage of space in London had taken on such a huge value as a form of capital to be traded and profited from that the use that those spaces were put to became completely unimportant to the people who owned them who, you know, in terms of the freeholds, are very rarely the people who are actually members of the communities that benefit from those spaces. So with somewhere like the Black Cap, it was commercially viable. But it was one of these places that really kind of came under the sharp end of the difference between something which is commercially viable, i.e. can make enough money to support its running costs and pay people to work there and stuff like that, um, versus is this the maximum profit that can be wrung out of this square footage in this location? And obviously, the Black Cap has a fantastic location right by Camden Town Tube and all the rest of it. Um, so, you know, the freeholders wanted to turn it into flats and, you know, a cafe or a supermarket or something like that because that would have made more money. So you've managed to stop that So happening? we stopped that. Tell us, <laughs> how did you do it? So that then, you know, becomes the... That sort of became the the sharp focus of what we wanted to do. So as soon as as the place was closed, which as Alex said, you know they they've been trying to get planning permission to turn the upper floors, which are vital for running the venue, to turn those into flats. Um, and uh, we'd got certain protections put in place to recognise the black cap as what's called an asset of community value, uh, and that it has a very specific use in in planning. I mean, lots of this is very dry and very administrative sort of council stuff, but really important to get these these sort of protections in place. And the owners were trying to overturn those and things like that. So, you know, when they sort of lost those battles, they just decided to pull down the shutters and close the place. And so loads of us, you know, hundreds, thousands of people came out and protested in the moment when that happened in the sort of immediate aftermath in recognition of, of the value of the place. But then there's been a group of us over these nearly seven years who wanted to keep that momentum going. And so in the first place for a long time, that was a sort of a rearguard action in that we were trying to stop them erasing the place, stop them turning it into flats in a supermarket or something like that. And so in certain ways, that's almost invisible work because the, the sort of paradoxically, you know that you're winning that bit of the battle when nothing changes. When 171 Camden High Street does not 
suddenly open up as a Tesco Metro or whatever. Um, even though from the outside, that then sort of looks like nothing's happening. It actually takes a lot of, of campaigning work behind the scenes to keep something bad from happening. Um, and so a lot of the last seven years has been on that front. It's been working with um, the people who know and love the cap. It's been working with local community and charity groups. It's been working with the council, working with City Hall and the mayor's office as well, uh, just to to keep sort of flying the flag, to keep making the case for why the venue is still needed, why it is still viable, why it is still essential, uh, in some ways even more now than it was in 2015. So there's been a lot of that. Another really vital piece that hopefully some of your listeners will have known about is on Saturday afternoons, pretty much every Saturday since the, um, since the closure, um, pandemic exceptions applying, uh, we've been out outside the Black Cat on Saturday afternoons um, with the vigil, as we call it, which is a way of kind of maintaining that space as a queer space for a few hours every week where uh, members of the, the campaign will stand out there and will be celebrating the cap and will be engaging with, uh, with the people who pass by because although the Black Cap is a fantastic, you know, irreplaceable landmark institution for the LGBTQ community, it's also so important to so many other people. It's such a, a vital sort of icon of Camden, you know, the legacy that Camden has as an area of sort of iconoclastic and alternative and underground nightlife culture. It's seen as really vital, even by so many local people who never actually went inside. They'll come up at the vigils and say, oh, this place is amazing. And, you know, I didn't go in, but I know these people who did, or I always used to see these people coming out. And then the number of people who did go in as well as a local, because although it's a, a queer space, it's not exclusionary to anyone on the basis of whatever their, their sexuality or their gender is, as long as they're cool, <laughs> basically. Um, and so it's sort of been those two sides of it, in a way, of, of doing the behind-the-scenes work to stop the place being erased, and then doing the work of things like the vigil, other collaborations, uh, you know, to put on performance nights, to work with other um, sort of community groups and charities. We have the Black Cat Community Hub that's been running in person and online, which is a sort of community space um, which has been a really important part of the campaign. And then more recently, we've hopefully been gradually making our way towards positive plans to actually reopen the space. Uh, there's been a change in ownership. The old freeholders, who let's just say were not the easiest people to engage with, have moved on, we'll say diplomatically. And the new people seem to be more open to discussion. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're hopefully moving towards a much more positive phase now of having defended the place, now reanimating it, reactivating it, reopening it, having its doors open again. Alex, what do you think uh, you'd love to see happen here? And, and, and what do you think this can contribute to our local community and to the queer community in general? I mean, I'm really I mean, I'm excited on many levels, obviously, because as a campaigner, I'm excited that, you know, we've we've managed to, as, you, as, as Ben has highlighted, you know, we've stopped so many things happening and it's been a lot of hard work. And I think people, you know, when we do the vigils, people walk, say, oh, you know, what's going on? You know, nothing's happened. And, and you, you know, then but then the vigils are important because then you explain to them what has happened behind the scene and get them excited again. And then they want to tell you their stories. So, so to, to, to be able to, 
bring those people back in who've told you those stories and and, and give them a, a denouement, you know, yay, that's going to be really exciting. Um, on a personal level, as I said earlier, you know, it's 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 has such an important place in my heart. And I think my story about it being, you know, my family do, my queer family do place and, and, and my regular pub for many, many years is reflected by so many other people. Um, and that's exciting because what we get when we're out there is that we get a lot of people my age, <laughs> seen, not the seniorest gay people in the round, but, but uh, midlife senior people <laughs> who, who grew up there knowing that they can get back in there and it will sort of, that's exciting. But also what's really exciting is, is, is seeing this whole new and younger generation. Because obviously for me stood there, I mean, you know, I'm in a performer, so I might go there more than a lot of people my age. But to see so many young people, young queer people coming and saying, We're, we know about the cap, we know about the history, we want this back. That's really exciting. So I think to be, to, to have it open again and to see it reinvent itself as it always has done. And I think this is one of the criticisms we had early on, is people say, oh, you know, let's all move on, you know, because, you know, things change. And our attitude to that has always been, well, you know, we don't have, you know, this place was a successful LBGT space and it shouldn't have closed. That doesn't stop. Our community are brilliant entrepreneurs. We're always doing things fresh and new. And the cap used to be housed that newness. So we don't have the places like the cap anymore to do those wonderful new ideas, new nights, new themes, new drag performance or whatever. So to have it open again and to, for it to you know be a home for a whole new generation of, of performers and writers and customers who can feel safe there. And the other side to it, the other thing that I always loved about the cap and Ben alluded it to, to it earlier, it, it's a, it was a gay place, an LBGT space as we'd call it now. Um, but what I always loved about it is it was of enough of a scale for it never to feel not like an LBGT space, but it engaged people in there. So people would come and become allies if they weren't before. Um, and we hear, and that, you know, but on our terms, people would come in there. You didn't have to be gay, you didn't have to be LBGT at all, but you would, as long as you weren't drunk and violent and have a swastika on your head, you know, you could come in as long as you understood, and people did, but this was an LBGT space and you're here on our terms. So we can get rid of that backpack that we carry all the time, um, which we, we still have to carry despite things changing. So I want to see that again. And I still want to be able to engage with, you know, the the landlord down the road. There's some wonderful stories. When, you know, the guy who was in the army and he walked up to us one day outside the vigil and said, um, you know, my son isn't homophobic because of this pub. And then he told me the story. He was in the army and he left and became a landlord of a pub down the road. And all of his staff, he would say, oh, come to the cap afterwards. You know, and they'd all go to the cap and he would say, no, I'm not going to that gay place. Just, you know, blah, blah. And then eventually they talked him into it. He said, and that day, he said, I genuinely changed my whole perception. He said, and I became a regular there. I can, And he said, so when I had my children, you know, it just changed who I was and therefore who they are now. And that's, and that's the power of the cap, you know, and, and, and places... LBGT spaces generally, because you know by its nature it's a, it's a protest, isn't it? You know we're we're in here doing something different. Um, so that's what I want to see. I want to see it open again. I want to see us safe and happy and see some wonderful new performance. Hopefully myself once <laughs> once I've had a few drinks, and then and then be be you know surrounded by people who really really believe in equality and in and fun. That's what I want to see, as well as drink something on the terrace that's my have a little pint on the terrace of vodka obviously <laughs> <laughs> and it is I mean I think like you 
like you talk about, Alex, it's that it's the flexibility that's so exciting because the cap even, you know, there's not a lot of venues, the physical size of the cap, and there's not a lot in 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 the, the sort of queer world. And there's not a lot of venues that have the capacity to be open throughout the day and the evening. So as Alex was saying, somewhere like the cap has always changed, has always evolved. It's not that you'd be talking about, oh, well, it, it works like this. It has these performers. It does these nights. And so it shall be forever and ever. It's always changing and updating. Yeah. But what's exciting, particularly about the cap, is that it also has the potential to be doing lots of different things at the same time. I mean, sometimes literally, that there should be enough space to be doing something or two things downstairs and another thing on the first floor, another thing on the terrace. Mm. There's upper spaces as well that can be used for community uses and things like that. Um, and then also, you know, to be to have the option of being open throughout the day as well as the evening, um, as as was the case with the cap before it closed. That you know, there are lots of people who weren't necessarily. You know, it's it's a pub at its heart. It's a cabaret performance venue at its heart. It's a, a club for dancing at its heart. But it's also through the years, it's had these other uses during the daytime for you know more quiet sort of yeah. community uses and space and and things like that. So the idea that it can serve all of those things, you know, over the course of a single day or a week or a month is really exciting because we're at a stage now where there's, there's, if anything, sort of even more need for a lot of that kind of stuff with the community. That there's so few spaces that people can come um, and and be together in London. And for lots of people, myself and Alex included, that often does involve a drink and a dance and a it show. It certainly does. But there's other people where it might not be about a drink and a dance and a show. And it's exciting that even though that's at, at the heart of the Black Caps history and an identity, it can also support lots of other stuff that, that benefits um, different parts of the community where maybe a drink and a dance and a show isn't their top priority. And it's interesting because the vigil has become much more than us as as Ben said earlier, you know, obviously we've used those to to have a visu- visible front for the campaign. I think Julian Cleary put it really well. You know, it's like this. There's a you know, there's a lot of you know going on behind the scenes, but this is like such a fun, engaging campaign. Exactly what the cap was, and that was our mission. Really, is to make people want to come to that space and share what we're doing and help us and support us. Um, but one of the things that uh, that the vigils have become is like a, a sort of gauge to what people feel in Camden about what's happening. So you know, we get people not just telling us about the fears of not opening, reopening the cap, or the closure of the cap, and how that's affected them. But we get people from other parts of Camden and you know the the surrounding area saying, "Well, if." If this closes, what's going to happen to the park we're fighting for? You know, so they get they've been really concerned, and we've gone off and spoken to the council. You know, the big meetings. I think there's a recording of it, me rambling on exactly like this. But 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 setting they're saying, you know, in that meeting they're saying we need to do more engagement with the community. And I just put my hand up and I said, we do it every every single week. You know, and people are telling us exactly that is that they, you know, that if this institution that they loved and felt part of, even if they didn't come here, but that is the sort of camp and they want to live in has been sort of like sidelined, then what's going to happen to the other things that perhaps aren't as iconic or aren't as important financially, you know, like economic, economically to, 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 the, to, the, to Camden and its kind of culture and life? 
So, you know, that's in, in a way we've become this sort of <laughs> brilliant sort of engagement tool for the wider community saying, well, you know, we know that people who live here, whoever they are, do not want a Camden without the black cap and what that means as a sort of ripple. You know, people, you know, from all ages will say, well, the reason I live here, the reason I come here is because I want, you know, culture and colour and glamour and difference and music and excitement and drag queens, you know. So um, so that that's that's in a weirdly interesting thing that's happened from this is that, you know, as I think we said before, you know, that, that just the front of the cap has been the only LBGT space in the whole of Camden the borough of Camden for the best part of six, six, seven years. That does square foot outside it. There hasn't been. There's a new one down the road. Great. Zodiac Bar, fantastic. But but for the best part of that time since the cap closed. And the and Camden used to be the, the I think the most populated uh borough of LBGT spaces. And certainly when I was, you know, 18, 19, you could come out and throw a pint glass across the road and it'd land outside the other pub that you were going to. <laughs> Not that I ever did, but... <laughs> so I think it's really... And I'm excited for Camden. And Camden's a... You know, we went... Uh, Ben and I went to their launch of their LBGT strategy. I've not really seen any more of it because it was about 18 months, two years ago. But we went there and, you know, put our 10 pence in. And, you know, this idea of them, you know, having clear commitments to, you know, in engage and bring back LBGT business. I mean... We've not seen a lot of what's maybe in this strategy. But, you know, Camden has to, you know, and are trying, I think, through our engagement with them uh, as much as anything, you know, to, to re-invite LBGT people, I think. And, of course, this would be, you know, the idea of North London or anywhere south of the river having something of the scale of the cab is just ludicrous, you know, and that needs to be addressed. We're gonna, I'm not going to bang the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, what an amazing venue this new era of black cap's going to be when you guys make it happen. Um, and it's, it's certainly on your way. You've done such a great job in getting this far. Watch this space. Long live the black cap, eh? Long live the black cap. And, and just to finish... We really, really always love to hear from people, local and, you know, people who might eventually want to use the pub. Come and see us at the, the vigil. We've got, you know, we have little survey forms of what you want to see there or um, opportunities to take a picture and tell us your story of the cap because we're keeping an archive of that. But we, you know, it's an exciting time. I think Ben uh, alluded to that, that we are now in a position point where it's less fighting to stop things happening and starting to plot what could happen. And that's really exciting. And obviously we want to engage with the community. So whatever we do put forward reflects what people want and need um, and will benefit the community most obviously. So come and see us, the vigils every Saturday, two till four. Or oh. drop old, come to the social medias at We Are The Black Cap. That's the, the handle for all of the socials and the website. Alex, Ben, thanks for joining us Thank you today. very much. And that's all this week for Camdeners. Camdeners was recorded in Serendipity Studios in Arlington Road for the Camden Clean Air Initiative.